Hi all and welcome to another episode of the Win and End podcast. We got so much to talk about on this one. I am your host Eric Darnheim and full disclosure, I am hungover today and that is why I have back on the show Mr. Jonathan Wyatt. Hey Eric, thanks for having me. Yep. And a new guest that we have mentioned before, Mr. Paul Hello, glad to be here. Yeah, uh, you guys might remember Paul as uh, he is the infamous Paul that was on the uh, Team Blitz event back in Uprising World Premiere. So that is the same Paul that like gave us the victory with the Reinar deck when uh, me and Brody decided to draw, and he was able to give us a victory because he won your game. Yes, that was a that was a very hype moment for me. <laughs> I yeah. still talk about it. So, <laughs> hey, yeah, dude, that was pivotal. Pivotal. All right. So, as mentioned before, we have a ton to talk about. This is coming fresh off of day three. All the results are in from the Pro Tour Lily. We have the knowledge of the results from Pro Tour calling and even the spoiler card. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. And the first thing I want to talk about is the new spoiled hero he doesn't have a name but we do know he is the emperor of drakai uh let's see what was his like official name do you guys hop emperor on emperor drakai of acer acer that's right okay yep all right so we got a another hero that's probably that's coming out of dynasty this one is a blitz version instead of like bravo's uh star of the show being for cc this one's a blitz version and he is at 15 health four intellect and his ability is that you can only have red cards in and that you can pitch three uh, resources to grab command and conquer from your deck and play command and conquer now the other great part about this hero, in my mind at least, let me know what you guys think about it, is that this hero is like Starvo in the case where he is Draconic, he is a warrior, and he is a wizard. So he has such a huge pool of cards to work with and to deck build around. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think he's really interesting. And you missed the, the also interesting part. He's royal. Which That's you don't right. Know anything about. That's absolutely right. But uh, I mean, regarding his like class types and abilities, uh, I think it'll just be interesting because like when you think about warrior, you think about attacking with a weapon. You think about wizard, you think about like playing a non-attack for arcane damage. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how people bring those kind of very different strategies together. Yeah. yeah, completely agree. Completely agree. So I, I think it's really cool that LSS has shown uh, with this hero kind of a proof of concept of a dual class and dual talent hero. So really going into the future of the game, um, I think it really paints a positive picture for um, the expansion that the game can bring forward um, and what kind of changes we can see. Also, just in general, my, uh, my theory is just going crazy with this new hero now because uh, I'm just getting all these new crazy theories. I got my tinfoil hat on, ready to go. Um, <laughs> really, 
really excited to see this warrior wizard because um, I, I think the weapon is probably going to be the most interesting thing um, personally I, I would love to see something that um, if the sword swings with go again that it actually does physical damage however if it doesn't have go again it just does arcane damage so you know, that's not, pretty cool I didn't yeah think so about you don't that. get that mix you don't get that mix damage that a typical rune blade would do however um, there is like some sort of a conditional um, buff that you can apply to the sword and change the damage type. So I think I think there are a lot of interesting avenues that LSS can do here. I'm really hyped for it. I just love when LSS gives us gives us an opportunity to create these theories because um, I think it's the the most fun part of the game as well as playing. But um, yeah, really really hyped to see this this new emperor um, hit the hit the battlefield. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's oh man, what a spoiler! Because yeah, that is going to be the like that's what I'm going to be deck building for so long. Uh, I'm going to be working with this hero now. I I have I want to mention here something that speaking on the weapon, uh, Cheyenne has already been uh, like or Cheyenne's my girlfriend by the way, but Cheyenne has already been like really like testing or like deck building and. What she mentioned, I thought it was really good because I want, and that's why I'm bringing it up here is that what if the sword, so let's say it's a sword, what if the sword has it where when you attack and let's say you hit or even attack, we'll see, um, then your non attack action can be played instant speed. Like it allows for a non attack action to be instant speed. I love it. I love I love it all. I love it all. That's just so awesome. I, I, I think the opportunities available are just so crazy in this game. And really, they, they have to add some things to this hero to balance him, uh, especially against these ice heroes that are so prevalent in the Blitz meta. So I, I think LSS is going to show us something real crazy that will shake up the Blitz meta. And uh, yeah, who better to represent that with than the Emperor of Volcor? There you go. So, I've talked to you about this before, Paul, and your initial thoughts on this guy is not gonna like you're not super hyped on him. Is that is that still the case? Uh, from like a gameplay like competitive standpoint, yeah, uh, yeah. I think he'll be hard to see success with at least for a while, but. And also, I'm imagining that, like, LSS was kind of going into it with how they originally uh, thought about Starvo, where it's like, oh, here's a cool hero, let's kind of put him out there and people can have fun with it. Uh, so, I mean, if he ends up being on that power level, someone finds a deck for it. I mean, he's got a lot of cool things he could do. He could be strong. But, yeah, my initial thought is uh, he, he's going to be hard to find success with. Yeah, really, I'm just setting you up here because once he is one of the best heroes, then I'm going to be able to clip this and uh, have it played back. So, yeah, that's that's what I'm just doing here. Hey, I'm trying to get you. Faded. <laughs> you know, well, once Blitz season rolls around, Emperor's like the top tier deck and I'm playing him, I'll be happy to eat those words. <laughs> all right, I got, a, I got a scenario for you guys here. All right, and for all those listening, okay, because you know we've we've heard it from other people too. It's like this is definitely a blitz hero. This isn't, which it will be interesting to see if he is only in young form here. If we're going to get an older form in this set or in the future, we'll find out. But uh, right as of now, he's only a young hero. 
but there is like like you like you're saying paul there is a bit of skepticism on like all right how, is this hero worth it he is at 15 health that is really deadly in the game of blitz i mean it doesn't take long to deal 15 that's for sure but i got a little scenario for you guys because like i said shine has been like going crazy on this so I'm, I'm hearing it all and so then it starts connecting in my head like okay wait hold up maybe there is something here so let's say let's say there's no weapon that comes out like bravo didn't get a weapon i understand that there's already like plenty of guardian weapons to begin with but let's say that there was no draconic wizard warrior weapon instead there is just what we have so let's say we have a like a sword like centauri sabers right because you pay one attack has go again perfect um does centauri sabers have go again i should i should actually know that they do not Okay, is there a sword that does have go again? Uh, there is uh, not really There's a sword not. that has go again. It needs to be a weapons need to be applied go again. So uh, I think Centauri Saber. Um, really, you're you're relying on your spoils of wars, your hit and runs, right? Um, to give your sword go again, which is why I believe that uh, applying that to your weapon would would create some sort of an effect. But um, okay. All right, all right. Regardless, let's say I don't. All right, in that case, I'll use Dawnblade then. Might as well get the the heavy hitter. Perfect. All right. So let's say I'm gonna pay one resource. So we're at, we're at a four card hand. So one of it I'm gonna use to pay to play or to attack with Dawnblade, and then the other resource, and I'm gonna pitch as well to use this card to give Dawnblade go again. Uh, there's plenty of warrior cards out there that allow for that. So let's say I'm, I'm playing like a Warrior's Valor or whatnot. Um, so now Don Blaze coming in for six on hit against Gogan. All right. So now I have two red pitches in the yard, and we got a, a six power swing coming in. Well, then all I got to do from there on is activate Flamescale Furnace because he can wear that, and I go grab Command Conquer and come in with Command Conquer right after. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, yeah. I think this that could get aggressive. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's the strongest part of his kit. Uh, I mean, tutoring like is always a strong effect to have like in any card game, and to get one of the strongest attacks. I mean, not for free for his deck, but like you have it available whenever you want, basically. Uh, yeah, I think that's the part to get excited, or one of the parts I'm excited about at least. Oh yeah. Yeah, exactly, and I, I think really the mastery of. The Emperor will definitely revolve around Flamescale Furnace, so um, really, while while we have a lot of good cards that he can use right now, um, I still think there there are some things that we can see from the Dynasty set that can also expand upon the uh, Flame Flamescale Furnace, um, so that the Emperor can utilize that a little bit better, considering the cost of things. Um, so, really can't wait to see the new cards that come forward with that. Well, and now we're also seeing the old cards that are being affected by this. So just in the same sense of Flamescale Furnace being, which I, I got to imagine is gone up in price, we also saw Blood of the Drakai start to uptake a little bit because that's a card that this Emperor could definitely use. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, yeah, so Blood Jakai has definitely moved up a little bit. Um, it was hitting seventy dollars. Now it's about seventy-five. Hopefully, it will continue to go up. I think uh, this is the lowest price um, fable that we've seen. Oh yeah. Um, however, 
outside of that, um, really, really cool. Uh, yeah, I'm already looking at the generic cards that we can throw in. Uh, can't wait to use my Ravenous Ravels, my Scarfer's Scars, and my Blaze Headlongs. Um, oh, yeah. So, yeah, just really excited at all the avenues available here. I think we'll also, I am predicting here that we are going to see a Command & Conquer reprint. I think this is my claim because since it's so closely associated with this hero and it costs so much, I gotta imagine we are turning more into a player-based game and less on the collector side. I gotta imagine we're gonna see Command & Conquer get reprinted with this hero. I mean that's that's the statement, you know. You're gonna we're gonna have to clip that one and then we'll play it to yeah, you later. Yeah, that's but, true. There you go. Yeah, get me but, as well. But I I will say if they do reprint Command and Conquer, I personally would be in favor just because as more of a player than a collector, I'm in favor of card prices being reasonable for most people. Yeah, definitely. And you're gonna yeah, with, you have to have it here in this hero. That's for sure. Yeah, for sure, and with the print run of Arcane Rising being so low compared to every other set for Unlimited, um, Command & Conquer has always just been one of those staples that um, has never really come down in price, right? So um, I think the lowest I've seen it was $75, really, so uh, that that's quite expensive for a Majestic. Um, however, if they do reprint the Majestic, I've, I've heard a couple things along the lines of um, what LSS's policy is. Um, from from what we've heard previously, we we know that um, James White has said that if they do reprint these cards, that they won't come back the same way and be a quote uglier version. <laughs> so I'm not sure what that means, considering that we've seen Scar for a Scar reprinted. While it's just a common, it looks the exact same as Scar for a Scar from Welcome to Wraith. It does. I mean, it's it can't be foiled. And so, you know, maybe we'll see where you can't open up a foiled Command & Conquer. But I, I I, think that's fine. Do you think they would ever create a plain art card where there's um, really no color to it and just like a black and white version oh, to make that's it look too more plain? Ugly. I don't like that. That's, that's, a, that's going way too hard on the policy and be like, yep, no, it's just ugly from here on out. Yeah. So you're fine with seeing an exact reprint? I what's the I don't understand why that's a problem. I really don't, and I got questions for James White on that. How excited would you be for an alt art in that case? You know what? It would be cool if like we saw, you know, a I think he's already kind of referenced on the Command and Conquer, but if we saw even more reference of the Emperor, like it looks almost like exactly like the Emperor on that command card that would actually be really cool it almost be like it, his specialization card yeah i think i think there's a lot of opportunity there so i i just you know i i love hitting people with these questions because i i think it really paints perspective of the game and the future of it so i i would love to see an alt art for for me personally um i think that i would like to see flesh and blood get into a little bit more of the memes <laughs> and uh i would actually like to see a baby emperor as the Command and Conquer hero pointing towards the army. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. I, I like meme cards. One of my favorite cards in the game is Go Bananas. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm all about that life. So, But if, if LSS does decide to do an alt art, uh, definitely going to be a hype moment. Yeah, I, I wouldn't mind seeing more, uh, like, yeah, alters. That'd be cool. I'd be all about it, honestly. You know, because uh, the timeline's changing. So might might as well 
change the card up. Um, I have no qualms with it. Okay. Yeah. Um, let's see. So that was pretty early on with, I think that was what, Friday is when we got that news for the new card? Yes, sir. Okay. All right. So that was Friday. Okay. So we were all watching the Pro Tour on Friday, and we got to see a little bit of the meta going into it and, like, the day one meta. And first off, let me ask you. Was there any surprises that you may have came out of it? What do you, did you see anything that you thought was like weird? Um, I didn't see. I think Phi was a little bit underrepresented from what I would have thought, but I think okay. people have been kind of uh, negative on him since the uh, Stubby Hammers got banned. And I was a little bit surprised to see 28 Oldhams and there were 27 Bravos. I would have thought bravo would be more represented than oldham but uh i mean the, the oldhams did really well so you know maybe they were onto something i think the other one too there were 27 dashes and i'm curious how many of them switched to dash <laughs> in the last week oh, after yeah. uh, she won the calling yeah i wondered that too how many bandwagon dashes are out there and how many people that even before that kind of was like yeah no this this is the hero i'm taking I'll always love to see the shuffle towards these new heroes once they get agency in any meta. So I, I think uh, really, really cool to see that. Uh, so for myself, um, yeah, I thought Phi was a little overrepresented uh, oh. personally. So um, I, I think the deck is dead. Um, there, there are better <laughs> aggro decks, and uh, Phi is e easily targetable and doesn't deal nearly enough damage um, to, to be as aggro as someone like Briar. Um, who is a much more serviceable hero. Um, so as far as like other surprises um, and notable mentions, I'm really excited to see Oldham have 28 players on day one. And oh, yeah. I believe it was 27 players passed to day two. So a really high conversion rate into day two. Really excited to see that. So I was, I was really hyped just because I would love to see Oldham get a top eight after all the flack he got when he was released about how his greatest enemy is himself and time. You know, I 100% agree. I also just want to take a moment of silence for the one Olden player that did not make day two while every other Olden player made day two. So, you know, here's to you. And we'll <laughs> take our two seconds now. <laughs> <laughs> oh man um yeah no that's good and then like yeah like you're saying with five like boy had the mighty have fallen man like five was huge in the rtn season i mean there's he was running rampant and yeah with the banning of stubby hammers he really took the dip and it really showed in this meta uh he did do pretty well as far as converting over to day two um and we did see a five but it wasn't until like i think it was 19th so in 19th place we saw one five uh so that's a lot of you know that's a lot of uh placements before you even get to see a five which is a little disappointing you'd you'd want him to do a little better i think dromai was 18th place and I don't even remember seeing an Icelander, so not too good for the Uprising heroes going into Pro Tour. But overall, like the day two meta here, I want to talk about that. Uh, we, like you said before, a lot of Oldham came over. 
a good amount of dash, but holy moly, it you know, Briar, Viserai, and Prism just continue to do well, and they just made their presence known in this pro tour. And, and meanwhile, we have our our solo Bolton player. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I do like that. I like that. You know, like okay, so Reinhardt. There was one Reinhardt deck in day one. He didn't make it. All right, so, sorry, sorry, buddy, but rip. Yeah, rip. But you know, we are seeing like these little little strategies. We got one Kano that made it out of two. The the one Bolton player makes it. Uh, Katsu and Levy are out here. I mean, my gosh, like these guys are these guys are taking their favorite heroes and still you know producing results. So good on them. Good on oh, them. Oh yeah, love to see the hustle. Really love to see the hustle. So. Oh yeah, yeah. No one no one even was talking about. I I I played Bolton in the the first Pro Tour and I didn't even think about him on this one. But man, this guy was. 100% conversion rate at PT, guys. Let's, it's let's true. Go. Every it's Pro to Tour. You want to go to day two? Bring out your Bolton decks. <laughs> yeah, sure. <that's laughs> Let's go. Oh. I want to see. I don't want to see thirty-six fives. I want to see thirty-six Boltons. Yeah, dude. One. Imagine, imagine a Bolton meta where they all make it. It's just that easy, I guess. You know. <laughs> oh, just that that Lumina Ascension Omni Slash. Just going for it. Just going for it. All right, I'm gonna okay. reference what you're saying here, Paul, as far as the bandwagon goes. So. We did see 27 uh, dashes day one, 18 on day two, and then one in the top eight. Uh, Got to imagine that that one was probably a dash player from the start. What do you think? I, I would imagine. Uh, I mean, on the surface, dash is an easy ch character to play, but um, there's like, I, I mean, like with everything in this game, when you get down to like nuances and like matchups and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I think experience is really uh, the most important thing, even more than uh, your deck choice uh, a lot of the times. And I think that's a cool part about the current meta. We're talking about like all these different heroes that people are playing, and uh, honestly, you pick your favorite hero, you build it to be as good as you can, and uh, you're gonna have a good, like, you have a good chance if you're very comfortable on it. Oh yeah, yeah. I think that's an understatement, really. Like, I, I honestly think, yeah, exactly being comfortable is the best thing you can do going into one of these tournaments and we saw i think it was christian hawk or i don't know how you say his last name he's the one that took the dash uh we got to be able to see his last game in, going into top eight and going against a prism and you can just see how well he executed that deck and there's no way that you're going to execute it that well because he was down to maybe four cards left in his deck so he really had to you know, pitch stack, he had to know where all of his pieces were, knew when to come in with the pistol, when to boost, when to set up, and it was plain and obvious that this guy knew what he was doing, looked comfortable with the hero, and that's why he was able to bring Dash to the top eight. Yeah, I agree. And I've been saying Dash, Dash versus Prism is my personal favorite matchup from the Dash side. Uh, just because it feels like such a skill uh, matchup, like that's one where I think, you know, outside of like a little bit of high roll from one side or the other, but I think in general the better player is going to win that match. Uh, it's and there's a lot of interaction, so it's very fun. Oh yeah, yeah. I there's no way I would have. I thought he was dead to right. You know, I honestly thought the dash player wasn't getting that, but boy, he came through. Came through. 
All right, well, so then we make it to the top eight, which is Briar Heavy. Very, we got four Briars, uh, two Prisms, or is it three? No, it was, I mean, I can just pull up the top yeah, eight. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to guess this right now. It, it was yeah. four Briars, two Prisms, and a Viscerai and a Dash. That's what it was. Yes, the Viscerai. That was the thing I was trying. Pablo Pintor getting in the top eight again, man. That's crazy. Oh yeah. yeah, not just any viscerai, the viscerai. Yeah, well, the rune blade at this point. I mean, that, you know, <laughs> yeah. bringing in chain out viscerai. Yeah, like Spain. Spain has a rune blade hero. That's for sure. His viscerai list is interesting too, just in the sense that it's not running Sonata. Um, that's true. So you know, you can tell that he's kind of he's played the games and realized you know maybe this card was underperforming for what I wanted to do. You know. You know what? That's that's good, Paul. Because like that's that's kind of what I want to talk about here. Because uh, Jonathan, I think you mentioned the other day how you heard from uh, someone, one of the one of the the pros, uh, that you can't just net deck all the time. You have to provide your own deck building list. And with Pablo's Visrai, as well as Matthew's uh, Briar deck with the belittle package and whatnot. I mean this. These are decks that are, have made decisions as far as like cutting cards that you would see in every other deck list. Like every Viscerai deck list had Sonata. Every like, no deck list out there had Belittle for Briar. So being able to come in and make your own uh, choice, like you know, kind of break the mold, basically, uh, seems to really be what is needed to get to a top eight. If anything is proven here. Yeah, exactly. I, I think one of the one of the biggest conversation pieces that we have in this game is just being a more consistent player and kind of getting out those Johnny plays or um, not building Johnny style decks. And, and when I say Johnny, I mean uh, suboptimal or um, not necessarily um, meta by any means. So something like Promise of Plenty, as you mentioned, um, would definitely be considered Johnny to some people. Um, so. I, I love seeing these kinds of decks where um, no one really suspects them, but they perform in in such a amazing way. So watching Matt Folk's performance and uh, also Pablo's performance um, with with these decks in their own styles, um, really awesome to see. And uh, love, can't wait to see more of it in the future. Yeah, it's kind of funny. We like when they posted the deck lists. We're like, we looked at Matthew Folk's list. And we're like, oh, this is trash. How did he win any games with this? Blah blah blah. <laughs> and then, you know, next thing you know, here he is being the Pro Tour champion. So. Pro Tour champion. Uh, yeah, yep. for sure. And I, I want to quote, quote our good friend Kai on this, but uh, he said Matt Folk's brought a Briar deck straight from 2077. <laughs> I mean, he kind of did. There was, okay, I do want to give out because I feel like there is an unsung hero here, all right? Because I was, I went ahead and I was, I was typing in the data and I have this, this like Google Sheets that's like full of all the deck lists that did well. And I went into my briar and I was starting to type in, I was expecting to add new cards and I was like, oh, I guess someone else has, you know, played Promise Plenty. Oh, someone else has played Tome of Fandle. And then it, I, I, I went back and I looked and I was like, oh. This deck has actually been played before, and it was not by Matthew. Instead, it was, and I want to give this guy credit, it was on SCG Con, as an RTN, Peyton Laufenberg. 
So Mr. Peyton had these ideas first. And, you know, only Matthew was the one that was, you know, able to see it through and be like, okay, you know, this is this is what to take. So I, I'll still give him credit there, obviously. But, uh, you know, I want to give credit to Peyton here because his, uh, his deck list came out first and it was visionary to be able to have his deck list because it's pretty damn similar to be able to win the Pro Tour. Yeah, but it doesn't have the best card. What's Tome the best of the card? Arknight. <laughs> you know, that's uh, that's true. That's true. That is definitely Matthew's flair on it. And you know what? I would probably be like Peyton. I'm still not huge on that card, but oh my gosh, when it works, it works. So. Oh man! As soon as I saw that card, I knew what list I needed to go. <laughs> my future was already laid out before me. I I just wasn't aware. But um, just just kind of uh, all joking aside, uh, I. I really think that's a great comment that you made, Eric. You know, giving giving people the, um, you know, the, the right, uh, you know, the right recognition for, for building their decks and, and bringing these forward. So um, yeah, yeah, great of you to call that out, Eric. Yeah, yeah. Well, everyone's gonna remember Matthew's name, which is obvious. Like he should. Like he's a Pro Tour winner now. He's a very good player. He has a bit of redemption arc. Um, to at least some people's eyes, you know, he'll always be an enemy in others, but this at least provides some good play from him. Um, and yeah, I also want to go ahead and pat myself on the back because two weeks ago, I think even further back than two weeks ago, you guys can go check it on the podcast. I said Briar was going to take the pro tour and everyone else said Viscerai, but I stuck true to my Briar prediction and here we are. Yeah, I said Briar too, um. Yeah, I definitely wasn't on Viscerai. <laughs> yeah, well, who? It was Hayden's Dell Viscerai, the, the little package Viscerai. Who? <laughs> oh, yeah, okay, sure, yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. All right, cool. <laughs> It turns, it turns out the belittle package is better for Briar. <laughs> yeah, it turns out, yeah, so you got some part of that, right? Yeah, for sure. And, and, and in all honesty, I, I do want to touch on, on the redemption arc for Matt Folks just a little bit. Yeah. Here because yeah. realistically, I think this is this is just a wonderful opportunity for the game. I, I think what Matt Folks did at the UK Nationals um, was really called out. And I, I think a lot of people were angry. Um, mm -hmm. And um, rightfully so, right? I, I think um, there was a little bit of um, malice or malicious intent in in some of the play lines and missed triggers there so um but i was really happy to see that lss t took the stance that they did and said hey look this is a you get a warning and then he's on a probation period and and matt folks has been on a probation period we haven't seen him play live since so right. he had to make it to the top 20 or the top eight to even get back on camera mm -hmm. and when he did in his first game he missed a trigger a very important trigger because I've never seen a channel Matt Heroic stay around for three turns. Uh, but yeah. Matt Folks had the opportunity, missed the trigger, and uh, he had to get rid of that channel Matt Heroic. Uh, fortunately, he was able to still get out the edge in that game and win, and eventually win the championship. So really happy to see that. And, and in all honesty, um, I, I'm glad to see that there's a stance of forgiveness and redemption that can be 
um, played in this game because that's what the game's all about. It's the social aspect, really. And, and um, I think the storylines that this creates um, really, really paints a good future for the competitiveness of this game. And I, I really enjoyed seeing Matt Folks put up the performance that he did. It was a good last game. It was actually really fun to watch, that's for sure. Took a lot of skill on both ends. Oh, yeah, that game was super hype. Oh, yeah. All right, well, so we have our second Pro Tour winner. By the way, uh, I think you mentioned this before, Jonathan. Two, now we have two European winners, the Americans and the Southeast Asians, We, or, and and then the Oceanic people. Like, we... They just we can't get any wins, man. It's the Europeans. Oh. Yeah, I'm really happy to see the Europeans take their their home their home plate competition. So, um, yeah, those Europeans they they really know how to play the game, and they also come to the game with a very unique style. Um, and I, I think um, I think they're actually more willing to experiment than, than a lot of other people. So um, I think that's given them agency over the game. And uh, they will definitely be a force to reckon with uh, going forward. So definitely, um, I think early on, a lot of people kind of underestimated Europeans. Yeah, it was the uh, Dory crowd, I believe. That's that's what we called them. We didn't understand why they were so high on Dory. So so here's a question then. I mean, oh. we're a couple we're a couple months out, but do you think a European's going to win Worlds? <laughs> I think they're favored at this point. I mean, the world's format's going to be different too, because we got—I don't know—maybe they're not as good at blitz or something. Oh, we'll good find point. Out. Maybe <laughs> maybe the Americans can take it with the blitz. Yeah, that's where that's where we rock the world. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I do? I will say, and this isn't really—I mean, first off, Pablo Pintor is an amazing like player, obviously. So. Uh, there's a reason why he won the first pro tour, but I heard stories that it's hard coming over from that different of a time zone. So I could see having a bit of a home field advantage for, you know, Matthew, uh, and like every other European out there. It's just that it's not that much of a different of a time change, if at all any. So, uh, but does that really hold up when Pablo took, uh, the pro tour in New Jersey? No, but you know. It, it does affect some people for sure. Anyhow, okay, so let's go on to the next uh, thing to talk about here, which is the calling that happened. We saw in the top eight of the calling, we saw three prisms, two briars. So briars still obviously doing good. This one was a little bit more diverse because we have another Vistra, we have another Dash, and we have a Dorinthia, which is really cool. I really like to see her get some love here. But what really what I want to talk about is after the top eight, I love the diversity, but really the big news associated with it is that Prism won, and now it's it's time to say goodbye. I mean, this is recording on august 28th in two days we're gonna get our bnr announcement and the updated for the living legend and prism was two points away before and now she is going to have plenty over to have her in the class of chain and starvo yeah i mean i think i mean there's a lot of big news from the weekend but this definitely ranks up there 
Uh, and I guess before we get too far, you know, congratulations to all the people that top eight at the calling and uh, to oh, the yeah. winner. True, it's so Don't hard. Want to try to pronounce his name, but <laughs> I, yeah, I know I was avoiding that too. Yep. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I mean, I played Prism over at New Jersey, uh, so I have a little bit of an affinity. Not as much as some people. Uh, I know there's a lot more people with a lot more Prism experience than me, but uh, you know. And I'm I'm not but I'm not too sad to see her go. I think it's gonna make the meta super exciting to play in. Um, there'll be stuff like uh, Bravo and Olda, and to like some extent Lexi, uh, Icelander. Like a lot of these heroes that have their hardest matchup was Prism. Uh, you know they might have some resurgence now that uh, the meta is gonna be completely different. Yeah, exactly. While while there were a couple groans from the the few prism mains in the game, <laughs> um, overall you could still hear cheers around the world. Oh my so, gosh, yes. Um, you know, what a fitting way at uh, the calling. I didn't think that prism would get LL um, even even through worlds, but it, but it has happened, and uh, I, I am happy that it, that it has happened. Uh, I think the game can expand. We can see the living legend system grow and uh, what comes from that in the future. So really excited, um, really happy to see uh, these heroes hit their Living Legend status. Yeah, I'd be curious to see what the format comes. Um, we're, we're almost getting... So we got three heroes that are part of it now. It's probably presumed that Briar will be the fourth, and maybe four heroes is all you need to get a format going, and that might be fun to see and explore how that comes out in the future. Uh, but I want to talk about... I want to talk about Prism a little bit here because Prism is such a good hero to to play with just because if you look at the the Pro Tour meta with Viserai and Briar and Fi being like heavy uh, rep heavily represented and we still got two Prism players in that top eight and like those are supposed to be bad matchups or at least very hard yet Prism can somehow still come out with it because she's such a skill-intensive hero that can just get wins based on skill alone. And here in the top eight, where she wins it in the calling, you know, the only matchup that I'm seeing that she has a great matchup against is Dorinthia. But, you know, Briar, Dash, I, I suppose, yeah, like, like you were saying, Paul, the, the better player wins in that matchup for dash versus prism but you know we got we got two briars here which have beaten her in the top eight for the pro tour so but she was still able to take it take it all the way through and that goes for the player uh that is piloting her obviously that takes a lot of skill it goes for any player that can get good results for prism because i think she's one of the most skill intensive heroes but it really goes to show that her time was coming you know she's just that good of a hero that even her bad matchups are winnable Oh yeah, that's definitely true. Um, yeah, and I'm I'm with uh, Jonathan. Where I'm a little bit surprised that she actually hit Living Legend before this BNR, but you know it's welcome news. I, I thought she would win like a national somewhere, and then that would push her over, and then the world's meta would be different. Mm. But um, yeah, no. To your point, uh, Prism like Prism does have like the Rune Blade or the aggro matchups are hard for her uh, for sure, but they're not unwinnable by any means and like uh i think a lot of it is it's the prison player skill but then it also checks the opponent's skill too like do they know 
how important each aura is? Do they know like which ones to target? Do they know when to like start ignoring them and try to finish the game? You know, it's all these like micro decisions that kind of make or break it. Um, so that makes the prison matchups like interesting, in my opinion. I know a lot of people disagree, but <laughs> um... <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a nice way to say it. Interesting. <laughs> big big air quotes on that one. That's true. Uh, I gotta say, yeah, Prism is a tricky son of a gun. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, I gotta say, things are things are starting to line up here. I know, Eric, you are a Guardian player. You say that you you showed up a little hungover here, so it sounds like someone <laughs> popped open a couple bottles. Of <laughs> In celebration. Yeah. You the know what? Thickens. Yes. <laughs> you know what? Guardian players, uh, Dorinthia players, Kane, oh, oh, an Icelander, so Wizard players. Yeah, we're all enjoying. The Gatekeeper is gone. We can now not have an auto loss and be able to feel like we can play a game. Yeah, call me St. Peter because I just opened the gates, baby. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go into this. Yeah, yeah. I'm really excited. So, um, yeah, the, the game honestly we've seen it time and time again hit these goal points that um i think we can mark as success right so i think every hero that goes into living legend that i think i can take that as a success i think these pro tours have been wonderful for the game and honestly i i've never been more hyped and i i think really um like the passion that you get from this news and and from everything that's going on really represents how powerful this game is on people's lives and uh, what it can bring so really really happy with with seeing everything that's going on here right now yeah that's that's a really good point it's like you know love it or hate it you know people have an opinion about the prism uh, announcement or winning or whatever and uh i think that's great for the game where it's like and just like in general for you know uh you know having a community of people it's like there can be like one event that like to the rest of the world doesn't matter but it's like oh like here's something we care about so much we're gonna you know, yeah go out and celebrate or go yeah. out more whatever your <laughs> opinion is yeah and really interested on on your guys's opinions here you know this is the living format we're seeing it happen a lot of people mm -hmm. were saying early on when starvo had its prevalence that the living legend format or the living legend system is terrible that they should get rid of it they should talk about revamping it they should change it all but like based off of what we're seeing here how do you guys feel i'm curious to see what it looks like as far as like the format after the fact because that's that's what we're promised to get on top of that you know with the living legend like i remember seeing that you know they're going to replace the hero so that you can still play your light illusionist cards that you might have invested money into so I want to see that happen first, and then I can kind of give you more of a better answer on how I feel. So I'm kind of at a wait and see still. Yeah, Perfect. I I agree with that. I want to see where how they address like, uh, you know, now there's not a light illusionist, so all the like all those heralds, all those auras aren't playable. Same with chain, like all those shadow room blade cards aren't playable. Uh, so I want to see how they address that, and then I think the other thing in terms of revamping it. Uh, so like now that Briar won the Pro Tour, I think she's 
150 points off, something like that. So like yeah, realistically, she could be banned by the time World comes around too if she wins nationals. So damn it, Paul's gonna ask that question. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, I, I'm just bringing it up in terms of like uh, this the at least like the numbers or the scaling in this uh, Living Legend system. Like I think if we go to this not the start of the year, uh, you know, like a couple months ago, I don't think anyone would have said, oh, I expect Briar to be living legend by the end of the year, but it's a real possibility. So I, I think just the amount of points that heroes can earn might be a problem if they don't replace them quickly enough. Yeah, I think it's such a wonderful point that you and Eric bring up here is that we've only seen one third of the living legend system even be enacted here, which is just them hitting the points. Mm-hmm. We still need to see the new heroes, and then we also need to see the new format that comes from this. So, man, this is this is just so wild. And and even with a wait and see, with a wait and see kind of uh, prognosis here, I, I'm just still excited on the edge of my seat. I I don't think I can get further on the edge here, guys. <laughs> well, what do you think? Because that was my next question, Paul. Is like we are, Briar is uh, only I think what 158 away. It's going to be 158. Yeah. There's enough nationals in the world that if she wins, uh, what, four of them, that she could be gone. This is not including the U.S. nationals because that one's like 80 points. But so do we do we see Briar around for worlds or is she going to or I mean, I guess that's the question. Yeah. Does she exist in worlds? I'll uh, turn on your in sync because uh, it ain't no lie. Baby, bye, bye, bye. Yeah, I I would be at this at this point I would be uh, I, I I would be surprised if she was at Worlds. Yeah, I think it's gonna be pretty easy for her to win four nationals. <laughs> Jonathan is hello playing the uh, the color guy on this one. He's he's giving us the one liners. It's great. Honestly, I just live to make Eric smile. It's 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 so wonderful. I, I love I, yeah I don't know I I love whenever um I just add some little bit of color that yeah. I, I just really liked how it was so perfect that you, you said that I laughed and Paul kept on and I was like this is good this is great that, that's that's about what our dynamic is yeah <laughs> oh, I'll yeah, just yeah, wax yeah. on in the corner you <laughs> beautiful beautiful oh man yeah it's it's gonna be interesting to see how the meta shifts and changes I you know Briar is so close, but man, we're with Prism out, we're gonna get a whole new meta, and that's like who knows? Maybe the meta's not even favored for Briar at that point. So we will see, we will see. But all we can do now is kind of speculate. So um, you know what? I would ask, you know, who's gonna win World, but we'll wait till National season's over, and then we'll we'll get into that question because we got a lot to find out. Uh, but yeah, that was that was this weekend. It was a jam-packed weekend of like news of great game footage you know all sorts of things going on and it was a great weekend to be a flesh and blood player from playing the game and just watching the game oh yeah that was i haven't like stayed up and watched games in a long time so this was this was a fun experience even just you know waking up early watching games you know hanging out and chatting about it yeah. and deckless and all that stuff so this has been great yeah, 100%. All right, guys. Well, unless you guys can think of anything else, I'm going to go ahead and sign us off. Uh, no, it's been it's been fun being on here. All right. Well, cool. Well, thanks again 
to Mr. Paul and Mr. Jonathan for joining on and giving us y'all's opinions and views. We always enjoy it. And thank you for helping me personally through this. As I, like I did mention, I am hungover, so I definitely needed y'all's help. And I think we got a good podcast because of it. Um, and so now to my listeners, I appreciate you guys listening. We are getting slowly, slowly, we are creeping up in the numbers. So we are getting more and more views. I appreciate you guys. And we will have more content next week to talk about. So until then, go have fun doing some new flesh and blood deck testing. We got a whole new meta coming up. So keep you busy, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, guys.